News Talk ZB and the New Zealand Herald present Cooking the Books with Francis Cook, demystifying your finances. Saving regularly can be one of the most important things to building up your wealth, but it's surprisingly difficult because it doesn't have to be that way. Welcome to the Cooking the Books podcast. I'm Francis Cook. Little windfalls can be huge over your lifetime. If you get a little $20 bump to your pay, that could be soaked up quite quickly by, say, going out to brunch more regularly. I know, I would want to. But you could also stash it away and watch the benefits pile up. It could become an emergency savings account, an investment in the share market, or it could knock years off your mortgage. So what's the best way to deal with it for your personal situation? I'm joined now by Patrick Fogarty from the private office. Now, saving can be a real pain, but the little windfalls in life, I feel like they're the key to it not being quite such a pain. So maybe you get a little pay rise, maybe you pay off your student loan, maybe you even just move closer to work and you're not having to pay for petrol anymore. I would count that as a windfall. With those little things, it can easily get sucked into your day-to-day costs and it can be part of that dreaded lifestyle creep. Or you can really quickly try to make the most of it in a painless way. With your clients, how would you advise them to start looking at this? And would you say you should save the entirety of a small windfall? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that really comes, you know, there's a slightly annoying answer, but, you know, it kind of depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things we find doing the work we do is that everyone's completely different. So some people, you know, everyone's got different spending habits, different savings habits, um, dependence at home, different financial goals. Everyone's got kind of a different profile. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, there's not like a one-size-fits-all for that response. I think um, that said, there are some sort of frameworks and ideas that it's sort of prudent to think about. Uh, one of those is balance. You know, it's a simple thing. But um, just like you said... There's this idea of lifestyle creeps. What often happens is that when you know people get additional capital that you know more than they're used to, they slowly but surely just upgrade their lifestyle, and then all of a sudden, you know, that kind of windfall, as you call it, um, is sort of been eaten away. Um, you know, one of the things I think a lot of our clients, you know, we often talk about is this idea of the triangle. Um, you know, so trying to keep things in balance is all good. You know. But, you know, we, we typically do want to increase our lifestyle. So whilst at the same time you increase your lifestyle, we should be thinking about, you know, putting your money to work elsewhere as well. So one of the big things that comes up time and time again is this idea of a savings gap. Um, so your average Kiwi, just like everyone else across the developed world, is, you know, struggling to save enough for retirement. So when we think about this triangle, whilst, yes, part, you know, one of those points is going to be lifestyle because, you know, everyone feels like they need a reward after getting a pay rise because, you know, Kiwis work really hard, and, and when you get a pay rise, you want to re- reward yourself. But we need to apportion some of that capital towards our retirement. It just has to be the case. But then, you know, depending on the individual, we might want to think about that third point as something different. So, like I said, everyone's different. So some people that might be, you know, might be paying off your student loan. Mm-hmm. Um, for another person, it might be saving uh, for a house deposit. Mm-hmm. But setting up, you know, a framework at the outset, you know, might be a third and a third and a third. Mm-hmm. Um, it just means you can easily stay disciplined so that when you do get these little uh, increases in value, you know, you, you know where it's going to go and uh, you can sort of stick to a plan. I mm-hmm. think that's, that's a big part of the problem, you know, just sticking to the plan. 
I like that because it really keeps in mind that I, I feel like a lot of personal finance theory s sort of treats us like robots and says, oh, you know, you've got this and now you must put it to work. Mm. And you also really need to enjoy your life because if you've got a pay rise or you've changed things up, you've probably done that by working hard exactly. and you want to enjoy your life as well. So would you say that triangle, you would say organize it generally as sort of a third each or would you switch it up depending on that person's goals? Yeah, I mean, the, the, that word goal there is the, the key point there. I mean, it, like I said, everyone's different and, you know, the big you know, the big value you can apply to yourself is to actually think about this um, in a bit of granular detail. What, what do you want to do in the future? What do you want to achieve? Um, you know, we spend a lot of time working with people to identify what their goals are in the future. And often that starts to dictate these sort of questions. You know, they, they start to provide answers to these questions. You know, things like at what age you retire become becomes a big question or um, when am I going to be able to afford the deposit for this, this house I'm saving up towards? Um, so those questions, if you pay, you know, pay a bit of attention to them, you know, can sort of infer or uh, you know, provide you some information as to how to make those savings. Mm. Um, so it might be that you can afford a bit of a lifestyle increase, at, at, you know, later down the track once you've paid off your deposit or, or you know, saved up for a deposit. But then, you know, um, for example, if you are, you know, saving for a big investment like a house, it may be that you want to overweight that savings bucket um, sort of early days. Yes, and it strikes me as we often talk about, you know, saving these extra, you know, windfalls that we get. And that makes a lot of people think of a savings account. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the case at all, right? I mean, to my mind, the big ones I would be thinking of is an emergency account for those unexpected situations, um, investments like shares, yeah. or either saving for a house or paying off a home deposit, uh, paying off a mortgage a little bit faster. Mm. What would you sort of, how would you weight those goals for people? Well, I think, um, you know, the way to start thinking about that is really how to invest the money and in what. You know, those are, I think, are two very different questions. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there's, there's things like savings accounts, which every, you know, everyone's pretty used to if they've got a, a current account. And they offer cool things like, you know, if you re remain disciplined, you often get a bit of a boost to, you know, your savings interest rate, that sort of thing. Mm. Still very small, though, It's still very it? small, yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that, you know, like I said, we do in our business is we, we help to target people's future goals and aspirations. Um, and, you know, through that process, you, you tend to get an idea of what sort of internal rate of return or what annual return they'll require to reach those goals in the future. Now, what's useful about having that number in the front of your mind is it can help to dictate um, the sorts of investments that are appropriate for you. So it might be, you know, if you have a lot of money, that a simple savings account, a sort of low-risk savings account is fine. Um, but as soon as you start looking at your lifestyle and realizing that in order to achieve something in the future, I'm going to need to increase it at return, then you have to start looking at different things like, uh, you know, the stock market and the bond market. But, you know, after you've sort of looked at a savings account, you know, there are things like KiwiSaver, which is good. You know, KiwiSaver is one of the only, I guess, free lunches in town, you know, free, free money. Um, but we're finding quite consistently that a lot of people uh, aren't that comfortable with the idea of locking up all that capital. You know, they're saving hard, um, but your KiwiSaver has that problem, right? It, it locks up your money until retirement, which is great for what, in, in some respects, but especially young people we're finding more and more are less comfortable to lock all that asset or those assets away. It's a long time. I mean, yeah. Imagine if you want to retire early. Some people want to retire at 40 or 50. Mm. Start a business. You need, yeah. Well, exactly. You need other options. KiwiSaver is fabulous, but I do 
really genuinely believe a lot of people should be thinking about things outside of KiwiSaver as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly right. I and mean, there are plenty of you know investment vehicles uh, available for people from, you know, sort of mutual funds, which is you know um, where you can channel some of your assets and buy a broad range of securities, be it bonds or equities from all all across the world. Um, but you know, again, you've got to link that. You know, it's 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 easy to just go and throw some money into the capital markets, but. The real difficulty and the sensible way to approach it is to make sure that there's a link between what you're investing in mm-hmm. and the amount of risk you need to take to capture your goals in the future. So if you go back to that sort of internal rate of return requirement idea I mentioned before, it might be, for example, that to reach those goals in the future, you need, say, 5 or 6%. Now, um, you know, historically, the sorts of portfolio that would deliver that sort of return may have a certain profile. Um, but what we find often is that investors who come in and see us will have a, a set of investments uh, that don't match what they're trying to achieve. It might be either too uh, conservative or often, as the case, is far too risky. So mm-hmm. the portfolio is targeting a much higher expected return. Um, so inherently, they're just taking a lot more risk than they need to. So trying to make that link between your goals um, and the way you invest is incredibly important and you know something that should really be considered from the outset. That's really interesting. And to take myself as an example, and I think what's really important before we start this discussion is that everyone is obviously individuals and we're talking general rules of thumb. But to look at myself as an example, a little while back, I got um, a very small pay rise of, I think it was, it worked out to about 20 bucks more a week. And so I thought, I don't want to waste that. And we ended up just automatically putting it on the mortgage Mm. which was I put it through a mortgage calculator and it actually turned out it would knock three years off the mortgage which is heaps for 20 bucks a week that was far more powerful than I thought it would be meanwhile I also recently paid off my student loan very excited thank you (laughs) very excited about that and that's more in the region of a few hundred Mm. and that's I'm thinking exactly what you were saying about I would like to maybe put some of that into shares automatically Mm. but I also really want to go to South America and maybe even an even split between those two options you know and is is that the case where uh, sort of the $20 versus $200 is a different approach or what what it's still small yeah I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't look at it as different approaches first thing I'm sort of think about is that idea of a windfall. So, you know, in, in our industry, we, we typically sort of refer to windfalls more as those big clumps of money that come in. I know you had an interview with my uh, my colleague, uh, Nick Crawford, who spoke, um, he, he's sort of an expert in this idea of sudden money. So yes. investors receiving these big lump sums. Even. More like the million bucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what we sort of see as a windfall, right? Mm. Um, but to go back to that earlier point we were talking about is when people get a big pay rise or even a small pay rise, or finishing their student loan, for example, mm. um, you know, when you get a pay rise, it's because you've earned it. You know, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like a win, windfall per se. Mm-hmm. But I think either way, you know, the twenty bucks or two hundred bucks, um, you know, having that kind of balanced approach with um, with some discipline around the way you invest it should really dictate that you shouldn't treat those things uh, differently. You know, it's it's all capital going towards an end, and that end might be traveling, it might be um, paying off a student loan, it might be all sorts of different things for certain people. But if you just sort of as a matter of course had, a, had direct debits or automatic payments that come out of your account and are funneled into these areas that you're looking to you know, uh, move forward, um, then I think that's the best way to go. And, and the other thing as well is, you know, I know a lot, of, a lot of people know about this, but when you really 
sort of look at the data a lot. Um, and you see the impact of compounding through time. I think um, Albert Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world, yes. which is slightly <laughs> grandiose. But, you know, when you actually really see that and you see the effects of making these contributions, even if it, even if it is 20 bucks mm. um, through time, it's, it's huge. I mean, you saw that. I could with, have easily yeah. fritted that. Yeah. Meanwhile, mortgage-free three years earlier. Fabulous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you, you wipe off your coffee bill for the, mm. for the week and you look at the implications of that over the long term after compounding. And it's, it makes you think twice about ordering like two, two flat whites a day, you know. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. I do think if you look at those things ahead of time. And also your point of automating is really important because I think the big things when you have these smaller sums of money coming mm. in is having a plan for them before they come in and getting it in place straight away. Because yeah. if you get used to buying a coffee every day, I know everyone hates the coffee example, but it is true. Yeah. You can get used to these things that you don't necessarily need, but it feels like a need if you do it for long enough yeah. whereas if you know that this is coming in you set up the automatic payment ahead of time you'll never notice it and actually your true lifestyle will increase because you have options exactly right i mean i think you just you hit the nail on the head there it's, it's about the kind of things that provide you with happiness i mean everyone's different again you know i keep predicating what i'm saying on that but it's so true because um some people really like shiny things you know i'm not particularly one of them i love we were talking about this earlier i love instruments and things like that so i'm always on the hunt for a new guitar or something like that but you know i'm not one of these people that likes big cars and things like that um but everyone is different but one of the things that's pretty common amongst everyone is the desire to not have to work you know up until they're retired you know or um, have the option to buy a house and, and and when you really look at the impact that these small contributions can have toward those bigger goals mm. versus you know the difference between um, the day-to-day existence and having slightly nicer clothes or you know eating out more than once a week or once a week at all you know these sort of adjustments um, when you actually sit back and sort of close your eyes and think it's actually making me happier um, you know everyone's got their own answer to that question but um, you know for a lot of people it's no you know they're having the the latest iPhone is not that much different than having one two years before and that's I don't know what 600 bucks difference or something so just being a little bit prudent I know it's a bit sort of school teacherish you know but um, you know that, that sort of uh, being a bit prudent around those things is actually hugely hugely impactful yeah. yeah yeah absolutely thank you so much that's Patrick Fogarty from the private office now you might have questions about this or any other money topic really if you do get in touch with me I'm on Facebook at Francis Cook journalist Twitter at Francis Cook and Instagram at Francis Cook NZ. Pick your favorite, send me your questions, let's get them answered. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and of course Spotify. And until next time, have a great day. And that's Francis cooking up your business confidence for another week on News Talk ZB.